I've always had this fear of, of like of missing out of experiences. <laughs> yep. Um, such such an like experience junkie. It's about pushing beyond the boundaries, pushing, especially pushing yourself outside your comfort zone, uh, because you really get stripped down to the core. You get to see your worst sides and your best <laughs> sides. If I if I could teach anyone anything, it would be focus. Uh, something called ACE, which is action creates energy. Appreciation and gratitude is like, you know, a highway to happiness. You always have to believe that, you know, the best version of you is still ahead. You know, you can always be better. You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks. Natural Stacks makes 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more on achieving optimal mental and physical performance, visit naturalstacks.com. Brian Muncy is probably the smartest guy I know. Trust me, Muncy is the nutrition guy. Ryan Muncy's out there trying to make the world better for all of us. The Optimal Performance Podcast is bold, edgy, creative, entertaining, and epic. Ryan Muncy is my go-to guy. Ryan Muncy is he's the first guy I call. He's making people's lives better. Ryan Muncy's an innovator. All right, happy Thursday, all you optimizers. Welcome to another episode of the OPP. Uh, this week, we're joined by our guest, Maria Granberg. Maria, say hello. Hi. <laughs> so thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, you are coming, joining us all the way from uh, about an hour away from Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, yes. so, so for you guys listening, Maria is a multi-sport athlete. Uh, she is an awesome and, and inspiring person. Um, we first came into contact with Maria because she took a bottle of Siltep to the top of Mount Everest, uh, which we thought was really cool. And we said, we've, we've got to tell this story on our podcast. Uh, and as I reached out to Maria, um, she actually let me know that she was climbing, uh, seven summits, the, the tallest seven in the world. Is that right, Maria? Yeah. The, the highest mountain on each continent. Okay. So we're definitely going to talk about this um, on the podcast, but it's funny. I sent Maria an email yesterday just to make sure she was back uh, from her latest trip. And uh, she says, yeah, I'm home. I'm recovering. I'm skydiving. Um, so so for you guys listening, if you're interested in the optimal performance and, and doing cool stuff, uh, Maria is definitely our, our person for that. So um, this is going to be a really cool episode. Uh, but before we really dig in, Make sure you guys go to naturalstacks.com. You can see the video version of this, uh, along with links and resources for the things that we talk about on the show today. Um, if you haven't done so, please go to um, iTunes, leave us a five-star review, let us know how much you like the Optimal Performance Podcast, and of course, share the uh, this podcast with your friends and family, anybody that you know uh, who would enjoy listening to what we're talking about, but also would benefit from uh, the information that we're trying to get out there and share with with more people so that you guys can all uh, do the proverbial climb your own Mount Everest because, you know, let's face it, we're not all as cool as this week's guest, Maria. Um, so, Maria, let's let's talk about this. Yeah. You, you are, uh, as, as we started talking before we hit record, you're a multi-sport athlete. Um, it, it's now you're basically a professional mountain climber. Uh, you do some guiding, you do some writing, um, but basically you get to go around and, and climb mountains for a living and talk about it. <laughs> how, how did this happen? Well, uh, gosh, it almost sounds too good to be true. That's kind of what I feel right now uh, at this moment because I have to pinch myself kind of every day and to like remind myself that, now, holy crap, I was standing on the summit of Mount Everest just a couple of months ago, <laughs> which is insane. Um, well, wow, I, I, I just, uh, I'm a very curious person. Uh, I've always been very curious. That's been, I think that that's my, my best and worst quality. Because the biggest problem I have is to say no to stuff because I get so easily inspired that it, you know, uh, it's sometimes tricky to to balance that. 
Um, but I started out as a, as a swimmer and then continued to like to, to compete in, in tennis and horseback jumping and, um, triathlon and, uh, Olympic lifting and CrossFit and, uh, different sports, uh, that just inspired me so much. And I, um, I had this, this, um, this dream from childhood that I wanted to live in Africa uh, you know, as so many people, you want to make a difference. You want to feel that sense of, of meaningfulness in, in your life, right? So, so I moved down to East Africa back in 2010 uh, after I competed in, in body fitness. So it was like a major contrast to, to do that. And then just a few weeks later, I, I was jumping on a plane and moving to Africa. And I stayed there for about half a year. And uh, I just got this... Um, um, I got sick, so I got a malaria and typhoid fever and all kinds of different infections and got hospitalized. And uh, that was just a few weeks away from me moving back to Sweden again. And uh, I'd seen people coming down there and climb the highest mountain in Africa, Mount Kilimanjaro. And I got just this fear. I always had this fear of, of like of missing out of experiences. <laughs> yep. Um, such, such an like experience junkie and it just hit me that, like right there in the hospital like shit what if I never come back to Africa what if I never climb this mountain and I'd never climbed a mountain in my life so just two weeks after that I was standing on top on on Africa's, <laughs> Africa's <laughs> ice mountain and just thinking to myself like if uh, you know what would it feel like actually feel like standing on the top of the world on Mount Everest that must you know be so wicked uh, and I moved back to Sweden and um, I studied psychology for a number of years and I just I couldn't lose that that uh, that thought that mm -hmm. I got down there so I just uh, um, it, I think it just settled in me that you know, something just saying that you're supposed to do this. Uh, this. Because when I get into a sport or some other activity where I feel like I don't have to choose anymore, I don't have to choose whether to be strong or light or be outdoors or indoors. When I can get everything just wrapped up in one thing, yeah. uh, that inspires me like to the core. So I just, uh, I just set a goal that like in five years time, I would climb on Everest and I like dreams that are so big that, you know, you can barely grasp it. Yep. And you know that this is far beyond your reach and far beyond your knowledge, what you know, like at this point. And I had to learn everything. I, I knew that I had to learn how to climb. I had to go on more expeditions and climb more mountains. I climbed one mountain. Uh, and that's not really climbing even. I mean, it's, it's more hiking up Kilimanjaro. Right. So I set a five-year goal and I just printed down everything that, you know, what I need to learn, when, uh, from whom, what's it's going to cost me. And um, I just started from there. And six years later, I was uh, standing on top of the world. <laughs> that's so cool. And, and I love the way you describe yourself as an experienced junkie, because I think I, I can totally relate to that. I think I, that's, that's exactly how my brain works is, you know, I don't, I don't want to miss out on anything. Uh, you know, yeah. when, when my time here is no more, I don't want there to be this giant list of things that I haven't experienced or haven't done. So, so that's really cool. And it, it, it's, it's cool that, you know, you said, Hey, look, I, I want to get on top of Mount Kilimanjaro and then, less than two weeks you were up there. So what's, you, you said there's a, there's a difference between hiking and, and climbing. So, mm. so for people who may have not experienced those mountains or those summits, what's, what's the big difference between, I mean, it took you two weeks to get to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. It took you five, six years to prepare and get to Everest. What, what's the difference there? Uh, well, every mountain is so different. What is, and that's also what is so fun and inspiring about climbing. Uh, there's mountains that we call trekking peaks, which means that there's no really technical climbing to climbing them. It's just, uh, you know, uh, it's just hiking and that can be, you know, steeper or more like leveled out. 
Um, so on some mountains, you don't need any technical gear at all. It might be just rocks, uh, and you can follow like a route up there. Or some mountains uh, are, you know, a mix of it. There's an approach. Uh, you might need to trek a few days to get to the mountain and then climbing. Uh, or you can have like just real pure climbing where uh, it can be a mix of ice climbing and rock climbing and, and like alpine climbing, which means that you're on high altitude and it's usually snow or ice. So it varies a lot uh, when it comes to the technicality of the mountain. And then it varies how high it is. And it also varies like the weather and the climate uh, because the climate can be really brutal but the the peak itself is not technical but the weather is really nasty which makes it you know very challenging while some other peaks are you know very technical but you know usually very nice weather so it's a lot of different challenges it's a like a spectrum so okay so what are the seven peaks that you're gonna summit uh well i i started out uh with kilimanjaro and I've been there four times now because I, I, I freelance guide as well. So I take groups down there and do that peak. And uh, so that's Africa's highest mountain. And then you got Asia's highest, which was Everest. And uh, now just last week, I did Mount Elbrus in Russia, which is the highest point in Europe. Uh, so then you got um, Mount Vincent. You got... Um, um, uh, you got Aconcagua in Argentina, Chile, mm -hmm. and uh, you got uh, um, well, all these peaks are very, very different uh, from one another. Right. Um, and uh, I don't know. I just I, I had that dream a few years ago that I really wanted to do these seven summits. Right. Uh, but then I also had a dream to climb all the 14 18,000 meter peaks because okay. there's 14 peaks in the world that are higher than 8,000 meters. Right. Um, so I'm kind of in between those dreams right now. I'm, I might go and climb um, South America's highest mountain, which is our, um, in Argentina, Aconcagua, uh, just below 7,000 meters. Um, but there's, that's what's so sick about climbing that there's, it's, it's endless. You know, there's, right never a point where you stop, at least not for me, and like think that, well, now I've kind of done it all. Uh, you never get to that point. There's always a new mountain and, and um, we'll see, I just, it's also a very expensive project, both to climb seven summits and maybe climb more 18, 8,000 meter peaks. Yeah. So we'll see now if, if I can get enough sponsors to climb seven summits. Uh, I just thought to myself this year that I will just take one by one, you know, um, and it was just a coincidence now that I got, I happened to get a, um, when I was climbing Everest, I happened to, to get um, a Russian sponsor to come to Russia and climb Elbrus now. So that was also very spontaneous and very fast also after coming home after Everest. Yeah. But, you know, as I said, I'm, I'm, I have a tough time saying no. <laughs> So uh, before we move on, I, I want to highlight something that you said about your approach when you said, hey, I want to stand on top of the world. I want to climb Mount Everest. You, you kind of did this thing, and, and I don't know if you were aware of it or, or maybe in hindsight if you're aware that, that you used this strategy, but you kind of took an honest assessment of you know where you were at that point, and you said, what skills and and traits and qualities do i need to acquire to be able to accomplish and do this thing and i think that's that's something that very few of us are actually taught um goal setting or or progress or whatever you want to call that that's not something that's taught at least in american schools and, and i don't know um if they teach that in swedish schools uh, or if you're just one of those people that that you've been exposed to sports or something and you have it but I really want to highlight that for our listeners because I think a lot of people see, you know, okay, I'm at A and where I want to be is Z and how do I make this leap? How do I do this? And they either get overwhelmed by the, the sheer size of that journey or goal um, or 
they fail to break it down into small steps. I mean, I'm sure like actually climbing Everest, you went from one camp to the next camp and then it's like, Hey, I might need a new Sherpa or a new guide to get me from here to, you know, the next base camp. Can you elaborate on, on that thought process and maybe how our listeners can take that approach and apply it to whatever goal they may want to pursue? Um, very good question. And I think it's very, very common um, that we don't pursue big dreams because because they are big. And um, I mean, big goals or big dreams are, you know, it's a two sided coin. It's it's um, it's both very meaningful, which is the beauty of big goals and big dreams. But also they're big and in our minds, our brain works in that way that it loves to do, um, it likes to complicate things. But that's usually like the, 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 the biggest leap to, 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 to pass because uh, like when I got Mount Everest as a dream, I knew that, okay, this is so big. I need to break it down, uh, which is the first thing usually that you should do. Um, uh, so for me, I like doing big projects. I like do big things and, um, I like to, you know, to learn new things all the time, but I also have kind of this love hate relationship to it because it's a pain in the ass because it pushes you all the time. It's about pushing beyond the boundaries, pushing, especially pushing yourself outside your comfort zone because we really like to stay inside our comfort zones. Um, so like for me, uh, I wanted to set a, a new dream and a new goal, which was Everest for me, but then also it's so massive and so big. So um, I had to break it down into pieces and um also, I needed to focus on not making it too complicated um, because when we make it too complicated, uh, then we think that we need so many resources, so much resources just to begin, which is false. We just need to, you know, to take one step and just do that and then another step and do that. We need to, to break it down into simple steps and not make it too too complicated because then we're ne we're never going to start doing it because we're just waiting and waiting. Um, so for me, I knew that I didn't have like fifty thousand dollars, which I knew that I was going to need. <laughs> I was I was broke. I didn't have any money at all. I was a student when I first started, so I knew that I had to have all this money and I, I needed to have all this training and all this knowledge and all the experience, and I had none of it. Right. So. Um, but you know, if you just feel in your gut that you really want to do this, then just, you know, uh, don't make it too complicated. Just break it into pieces, start one by one and just, just go as far as you can see. Uh, cause when you get there, you're always going to see further. You can't see the whole road because like, as you said, you see, you see a and you see B, but you're not, you're never going to see the whole road all the way to B. Um, you just have to see, to go like as far as you can see and then take it from there. Um, because for me, it, it really struck me about my own process, um, that you really need to, um, um, how to put it, uh, you, you, it's more your adaptability to that whole process going from A to B, your adaptability to everything that is always changing and you need to adapt to it to actually reach the goal mm -hmm. than to just hold on to whatever plan you had. Like, well, I planned this. It was supposed to be this or that. And uh, I was supposed to be here or there. Um, so it's good to be stubborn in your will to get there. But the process and how it's going to look, uh, it's, it's, it's never going to be as the way you thought about it in your head. Um, and it's a lot about also getting to know yourself, which I love about climbing, mm -hmm. um, because you really get stripped down to the core. You get to see your worst sides and your best <laughs> sides. Yeah. And um, 
what I also like learned was to never expect only experience because you always try to, that's also how your brain works. It wants to expect stuff to mm -hmm. feel that sense of, of the security and comfort, mm -hmm. but to, to get that sense of security and comfort into just being present and experiencing whatever happens when it happens has helped me a lot. Um, because for me, for me going from A to when I decided to climb Everest and to B when I actually did it, uh, I mean, I'm, I just turned 30 uh, like two weeks ago. And like as a 29-year-old, I had had like three knee surgeries. I pop my shoulders all the time. I have a chronic injured hip. I'm like, you know, I'm a grandma at 29. And... Uh, you know, so there's so many people who told me throughout this journey that, you know, hey, Maria, this is not your thing. You're not supposed to climb mountains, uh, not with this body. You know, I'm sorry, you're not going to you're not going to be fit for it. You know, you can't really um, you can't um, make your body do something it doesn't want to. Um, but that's just, you know, other people's lack of creative uh, uh, creativity talking. So, and also I, I told like in my talks and, and, uh, my lectures before I went to Everest, I always told people and myself that if you get sick on a mountain, you know, you're done. It's not, you know, you can just turn around and go down because the body doesn't have that ability to recover and get well on high, on high altitude. So, and you're also being broken down all the time at high altitude. Uh, and I got sick just a week before my summit attempt. Oh, no. It's the worst timing in the world. I lost my voice. I couldn't even whisper. And I had this, this massive infection in my airways and I couldn't breathe. I was like, crap, I'm supposed to be at, you know, the, at the fittest of my life. You know, everything needs to be perfect. And, uh, you know, just having that, uh, you know, you, you have two, you have like, you have two things when you set goals like this and it's skill and it's will. And when you have all the skills, then whatever's left is just will. And, uh, you just have to have that belief that whatever you expected uh, you can always surpass that expectations. is just, you know, uh, this, um, this collection of past experiences and past belief that you're trying to use in the present moment. And it's not going to work for you. You just have to experience and stop expecting. And when you stop expecting, you actually start experiencing this whole other level of what you can do and what your body can do. And, uh, yeah. Well, I'm sure that, that that's something that has, I mean, when you're climbing a mountain, you're in your element. Like that's what you want to be doing. I'm sure that that experience don't expect that ability to, uh, to stay in the moment probably helps you more, um, when you're not climbing, right. When, mm. when you're, yeah. when you're doing things that are outside of your element. And, uh, uh so that's really cool. I, I like that one. I want to know, you said, um, uh, you know, it's all about pushing your boundaries and we love that. Um, what it, leading up to leaving for your summit for Mount Everest, what was the most uncomfortable thing for you? What was, what was the weakness that you had to overcome that was the most uncomfortable for you? Um, for me, I had to face, like I had two fears, uh, going to Everest. One was exhaustion Okay. And the other one was not being able to breathe. Uh, so I was battling those fears um, or more battling myself to accept them okay. when I was up there. Um, so because I climbed a mountain last year and uh, had like an asthma attack at 7,000 meters and I couldn't breathe. And that was the first first time for me that I actually thought that I wasn't going to come home. And so I was battling with that fear. And the other fear of exhaustion is, is, um, you know, you're, you're scared that you're going to get so tired that you're just going to hit a wall 
and then your resources are done. And um, there's so many stories and people and friends that I, I know that, especially on Everest, uh, that just, you know, you hit that wall and the only thing that you feel or think is, I just want to sleep just for a minute, just rest a little bit. And people sit down and they never, they never get up again. Um, so I was, that, that's kind of, you know, you're scared of your own brain a little bit that it's going to screw you over. Um, what? but I did a lot of mental training. I did everything from, you know, affirmations to hypnosis to a lot of concrete mental training, um, just to try to be prepared for that. So are uh, there any of those exercises you can share with us that, that, that our listeners could do? Absolutely. Like one, one of my favorite um, exercises is to like, before I go to bed at night, uh, bef just before I go to sleep, I just close my eyes. Uh, usually I do a breathing exercise first for like five minutes where I, I inhale for five seconds and then I exhale for five seconds just to put my body in a balance. Mm -hmm. I do that for five minutes and then I just, I, I focus on vis visualizing how I want to feel the next day, how, you know, how I feel when I'm strong and happy and creative and goal oriented, how it feels to get up in the morning and have a goal and working towards that um, and being in a momentum uh, so I do that just before I go to bed. And in the morning, I do this breathing exercise as well, where I start off uh, the same way, just breathing for five minutes, uh, five inhale and five second exhale. And then I, I um, sometimes I take like a really cold shower yeah. to like, you know, get all, all my, my, my system going. And uh, I do this, uh, after that, I do a breathing exercise where I breathe very rapidly, like very fast. Um, Are you doing the Wim Hof method by any chance? I don't know about that. Okay, okay. Oh. <laughs> well, I think for our listeners and for you, I think that's one where it'd be awesome to have Wim Hof or, or one of his teachers on the podcast and, and let them teach it uh, properly. Um, but there's, there's a Wim Hof method where you're basically uh, cycling through oxygen and, and air very quickly. And, and it helps to kind of repattern your, your breathing pattern and, uh, you know, get fresh oxygen into your blood and stuff. But yeah, um, yeah so, I mean, there's, those are great tips. I mean, those are things that we've talked about on the podcast before. But I think it's cool for our listeners to hear how actually using them can help propel somebody, you know, beyond their or help you get over your fears you know when you when you practice your breathing you're balancing your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system you know you're getting more oxygen it also gives you a chance to as you said if if you engage your mind while you're doing it then you can visualize success you can uh, set your intentions either for that evening or for the next day for the morning um, so those are great great tips um, all right Maria we're going to shift gears just a little bit um, mm -hmm. I said in the beginning that we had to get you on the show because you took Siltep uh, along with you uh, as you climbed Mount Everest. So, I mean, first of all, I, I, we thought that was just so cool. But, I mean, the logistics of this, you know, when you climb Mount Everest, it's not like you can take a whole bunch of stuff. No. Uh, so, <laughs> you have to be. You have to prioritize. <laughs> yeah. And, and Siltep made the cut, which is even cooler when you think about it that way. So, what... Why was it so important to you to have that with you? Um, and, and I also want to know, I mean, how much stuff did you actually take? Uh, well, uh, Siltip, uh, like I have a, a mental coach back home here in Sweden. Uh, well, two actually, but one of them is Pontus uh, that you guys know. And um, we were working with hypnosis and, and visualization and you know, just getting, sometimes he just gives me a smack when, when I need to get on the right path, not physically, but mentally. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you have to stay focused. And, um, um, for me, focus is one of the, the things that is, is, you know, the hardest, but also the best thing that I, I know, you know, some people call it focus. Some people call it flow. 
but it's also a matter of training, training to stay focused and, and learn how to do that. So me and, and Pontus was working on that. And uh, just a few months before I went to Everest, he just told me like, you should try this Siltip thing. It's natural, you know, because I'm very, I eat very clean and I'm very uh, strict on what I eat uh to give my my body you know just the best things so i can be in like very good physical but also mental mental shape because that's very important to me so he just told me like you, you know hey you should try this you know just keep you focused help you to do that so i tried it and i thought it was awesome and it helped me to like you know to to kick them off the morning better and just keep my focus a little bit longer it helped helped out my brain so I took it with me to Everest because um, I, you know, I still had, you have so much time at, uh, you know, climbing Everest. Uh, you get a lot of, you know, uh, dead time as well because you can, you know, spend a week just waiting out the weather, you know. So I had my computer with me and I, you know, thought that I would do some work every now and then. Uh, but I had it with me to get in base camp and on the way up to a few more camps and, and, uh, you know, I just liked it. And focus for me is just one of the, um, if I, if I could teach anyone anything, it would be focus. It's so center in your life. Well, on a journey like climbing Mount Everest, you have so much time to be with your own thoughts and in your own head. And as you alluded to earlier, that's an opportunity for your mind to, to trick you or to, uh, you know, to kind of go against you if, if you're not prepared in that way. So, um, you know, and, and I think you already touched on it, like to work on building focus or, or being able to get into a flow state, if that's mm-hmm. something that seems challenging or, or elusive to a lot of people, do exactly what you just, what we talked about in the beginning of this episode, where instead of saying, Hey, I'm going from A to Z start Mm. very, very small and very short times. Um, so like just the five minute breathing thing, if you can make sure that your mind doesn't wander and it doesn't even have to start at five minutes, start at one minute and focus on nothing but your breath Mm. for, for a single minute and then work up to two to four to Mm. five minutes. And, And that's teaching you to be present, be in the moment and, and, as you get better and better at maintaining focus for shorter periods of time, then you can stretch that out to go longer and longer. Mm. Um, but I, I would agree with you, Maria. I think the ability to focus, be present, be in the moment. Um, that's, that's definitely one of the skills that, uh, will enable people to achieve more and, and do more, which is what all of our listeners are trying to do. So, yeah. so that, that's really cool. And, and you mentioned Pontus, um, he is, uh, partners with Jonas and Matthias for uh, Succeeder Sweden, who is our distributor of natural stacks in Sweden. Uh, oh, if you guys listening have not heard, I, I don't remember uh, which episode it was, but we recorded it uh, on site at Paleo FX this year. We had Matthias on the podcast. Uh, Matthias is a memory grand champion, uh, and he's also from Sweden. So that was a really, really cool episode. Uh, he actually memorized the Austin newspaper uh, which is, is cool in itself, but also you have to realize that that's not even his native language. Um, you know, so, so you guys go back and listen to that episode if you have not done so already. Um, I'm sorry, I don't remember which episode it was, but somewhere uh, a couple of months ago. Um, but anyway, so, so these guys are awesome. You, you worked with Pontus. Um, were there any other uh, mental training tips that you did with him that we haven't talked about yet? Um, well, it was, well, that was just more of like what was included in my training, which is I had like that, that was my goal for last year, uh, to, to be better at being bored. Uh, so we, we worked on that as well, which is a form of mental training. Well, for, uh, for an experienced junkie like you, it's probably very, you don't do nothing very well, do you? No. Uh, and you know, I do a lot of yoga and things like that, but when I do that, you know, I'm still doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's, it's more about, you know, I, I feel I have this, uh, you know, I urge to do meaningful things. And so when I, you know, when I get caught in, you know, in a moment where I feel like, you know, I'm not doing anything, you know, uh, productively or meaningful or, 
then I get kind of frustrated. And so still there's a lot of, uh, I can be so goal oriented and driven and, you know, passionate and, and, and passionate and productive and effective when it comes to things that, you know, really triggers me that I love doing. But then when it comes to bookkeeping and things like that, you know, that's just a, a, a you know, a pain. I, I really needed to get better at that uh, just to make it easier on myself as well. And so last year I, I trained on getting better at being bored and keeping my focus, even though I did things that I, I thought wasn't really that fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in the end, it's, uh, it's also one form of mental training, but also like relative to uh, related to, to being goal oriented uh, and also action oriented. Mm-hmm which is also one, um, one skill that I would love to, to like to give anyone because we, we talk so much about doing things and we have big dreams and goals and want to do this and that. Uh, but nothing is real before you actually take action to do it. And it, um, it was a guy from, I think he's from the States or great Britain. Maybe he's a tennis trainer. And he says uh, something called ACE, which is action creates energy, mm-hmm. um, which I really took to heart a few years ago because sometimes I could feel so de-energized. I didn't have energy, any energy at all. And you just get stuck in this moment where you feel like, uh, you know, just uh, apathy and, and, and loss of, of energy and control and momentum. And sometimes you just need to stop thinking you just have to start you know getting in a momentum and do things um but for that to be directed and to actually start doing things in the direction that you want to go uh for me i just i love writing down you know what do i want to do which is number one but the secondly is why why do i want to do it and you need to to be like the why guy for yourself. You need to. Well, that's it's so important to know why you do things, because motivation is usually very, um, you know, it's not very long lasting. When you don't feel motivated, you you need to be able to go back to that place where you know why you're doing it, so it still feels worth doing, even though you're not motivated to do it that day. So for me, I just write down, you know, what's my goals and why do I want to do them? And, uh, you know, the how is going to come to you later. Um, so to, to that's also kind of a focus training. I, I usually write down my goals every day. Mm-hmm. Even if it's the same goals, I just write them down. And, you know, why do I want to do this? Just to stay on track. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot in that answer that, that our listeners can implement and apply. I think that's that's some really good stuff, Maria. I think um, so. Uh, one book, if, if our listeners haven't read it, Start With Why. That's a great book. Uh, go check that out. Um, but, you know, in I, we haven't talked about this, Maria, but I, I had a gym for, for four years. I was a personal trainer for, for a long time. And I think that one of the biggest lessons that I always found myself talking uh, through with clients and, and members was, you know, I called it an anchor. Um, and it's exactly what you were just describing where, you know, when you start this journey, there is a, a stronger reason than just, Hey, I want a six pack or, Hey, I want this. You know, if it's, if it's a grandmother who's trying to set an example for her daughter or for her granddaughter, you know, that's a why that will get you out of bed in the morning on a day that's either too cold or you feel tired, uh, those whys have to be, um, you know, something much, much stronger than, uh, what most people actually start with as, as their main goal. So, you know, we kind of call it peeling the onion where we go down layer by layer, you know, Mm -hmm. so if somebody says, well, I want to, want to look better. Well, what's so great about that? What is that going to do for you? And you just keep going down it. So you get the real reason, uh, that we want to do this thing. So, so that's really cool. Um, thank you for, uh, for bringing that up and, and getting that on the show for us. Um, all right, Maria, I, we, we've talked for almost 35, 40 minutes now, and, and we haven't even asked you, uh, 
what was it like when, when you got, you're standing on top of the world, you finally got there, um, you know, walk us through like the, the summit and, and standing on the top of Mount Everest. Uh, well, it was just pure magic. You know, I, I tried not to think about it too much. And I, I, for me, it was like, you know, you have gotten to the summit when you're back in base camp. Cause then you kind of know, you know, that you're safe. Um, because like 90% of the people that, um, that, uh, that die on Everest is on the way down. So, you know, the dangerous part is going down. So you try to like, uh, not to think about the summit too much, but when we were, uh, we had quite of a cold night. It was quite windy and stormy and pitch black. Of course, we started, uh, climbing towards the summit at 10 30, 11 PM in the evening and climbed all through the night. And uh, then the sunrise started to 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 come up at five thirty in the morning, and then we had about one and a half hour left to the summit. So we were on that last steep wall, and the sun came up, and I was I'm so scared of heights, and <laughs> we were so high that I barely like. I was like, don't, don't look back. Don't, you know, you know, the sun is beautiful and all that. Just stay focused and don't get scared shitless now. Uh, and, uh, so, so hold on, you're a mountain climber and you're afraid of heights. Yeah. <laughs> and that wasn't one of the two biggest fears you had to overcome. Yeah, that was a fear as well. Okay. Um, and I have like, you know, my, my mental tricks so coming over that, but <laughs> that was, it's pretty like I love climbing in the middle of the night because then I don't have to, you know, you don't see how far down, you, you know, it is or how far up you are. You just the only focus is, you know, where your lamp is, is shedding lights. So when the sun comes up, it's like, shit, now I really <laughs> see how high up we are. <laughs> And the only thing I could think was like, oh, I have to go down all this way. Like, I have to go down this this cliff here again. Mm-hmm. But when 5.30 in the morning, I, it just hit me. Like, when I saw the summit, um, it, we were so close. We were just one and a half hour left. And I just thought to myself, like, we, we're going to make it. We actually know, kind of know that we're going to make it. And uh, I had to like bite my lip, lip for an hour not to start crying. <laughs> and, like you're not there until you're there. And um, the last hour was kind of sketchy. It was very steep. It was a lot of cliffs and rocks, and you had the crampons on, which makes it uh, very slippery. Um, and like half an hour from the summit, our team called us on the radio saying that you know the jet winds that we suspected was going to come in around like 10 a.m. in the morning. They were on their way in right then. So they just told us, like, you're going to have to go up very fast now. So uh, how so strong just, are these winds? Uh, well, they blow like, you know, 100, 150 kilometers an hour. So they will smash you. <laughs> <laughs> so not only are you in freezing cold weather, on ice, climbing the tallest mountain in the world, but you're facing like tropical storm force winds. Yeah, yeah. and you're like, oh, I don't want to get caught in this, but you know, <laughs> you're so close. We're like half an hour away. So me and my Sherpa, we just looked at each other like, let's do this, <laughs> and <laughs> we just went up as fast as we could. And those last steps, when you like, you know, it's the final three, four steps. Uh, towards a goal that you've been working on for so many years. You sacrificed so much to be there and to get there. And that moment of, it's like this, this, I can't even describe it, like the shift from one second earlier, it's still just a dream, you know, Mm -hmm. you haven't done it. And it's just a matter of a second and it all becomes reality. You take that last step and you kind of, you realize that it's, it's done. And that was, I just like fell on my knees and cried for a few minutes. And 
it was just this wave of release of, you know, it's, it's such a, it, I was so happy, but also like all of the pressure just of carrying that for six years was so good to just let it go. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you just knew that, like, you know, you could say like, yes, yeah, it, it worked out. Um, but it, it was magical. And then just, we were there for maybe 10 minutes and, you know, took a picture of, you know, the sponsor flags and Siltep and everything <laughs> and uh, just tried to go down as fast as we could. And uh, we, like, when we got down to Camp 2 at, uh, it's about 7,700 meters, like, every tent was just gone. Uh, and the tents that were standing was just smashed to the ground. We were... We were getting slammed right <laughs> quite hard from that wind. Wow. Uh, but that that moment out there was kind of sick. You you realize that at that moment, because I was alone on the summit, which is quite rare. Mm. Usually there's more people there, but I summited on the 24th of May, which was the last day anybody summited this year. Wow. Uh, so I was alone there with my Sherpa, and it was such a... Um, in a surreal feeling of knowing that I'm the highest person in the world right now, <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah, and and no one else will be at that level f until next year. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So so it was literally it was just you and your Sherpa. No <laughs> nobody else in your party went to the summit with you. No. Wow. Okay. Okay. So how do you prevent? Uh, like a letdown from that. I mean, that's such a, an emotional thing. I mean, you, you had to have experienced some kind of, whether it was a week later or two weeks later. I mean, what was, how do you deal with that? What was that like? Well, I, I was also very, one of the preparations mentally was also the preparation of, of like being prepared for depression or that sense of, of uh, emptiness. Um, because Everest for me, even though, you know, you break it down into this, these small goals and and everyday efforts and everyday choices mm -hmm. and all that, it's still, you know, what pulled me up out of bed every morning for so many years. And it sure is like an emptiness. Um, so I was very prepared for that, and but mostly prepared to accept whatever I was going to feel when I got down. Um, so I got down. I was climbing from China and Tibet on the north side of Everest. So I got down and flew back to Nepal and just spent two weeks there doing yoga and just kind of processing everything before I flew back to Sweden. That's, that's a great plan. That's that it was a very great plan. It was perfect. Um because there's some some questions, you know, that you need to you need to have time to answer like to answer those questions just for yourself before you come home and everybody else is asking you all of the questions and you haven't, you know, gotten settled with it. So I just spent two weeks there doing yoga and just trying to to process all of, of the things that happened during those two months, uh, which is a very long expedition. And also to process like, you know, that feeling of emptiness and, um, and but what happened that I didn't really expect was that I, I really didn't want to go home. Uh, I, right. I, I, I had this, this hidden expectation of, of that I was going to feel really ready to go home that I was going to be, you know, uh, just done with experiencing so much that I was just, just going to be willing to go home and rest and that I was going to long for that more than I did. Um, but that's the thing again with ex ex expectations because, um, I didn't feel that at all, which was a bit of a shock for me. And I didn't want to go home and I almost started to panic uh, because I think it, I just didn't want it to be over. I didn't really want to leave Everest behind. And it was almost like grieving, uh, grieving this, the, the fact that it was over. Uh, but I had this amazing 
uh, friend, Don Hill from Australia, who I did yoga with. And, and we just, the day before I flew home, we were talking a lot about this and just working a lot with accepting um, where I was and just appreciating uh, where I was. And I think appreciation is always appreciation and gratitude is like, you know, a highway to happiness, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever you're facing, just, you know, acceptance and gratitude. And when I just got into that state of mind, instead, instead just being grateful uh, for all that I had experienced and be grateful, um, for, you know, being okay and all that as well. And just let go of the fear of of looking forward, uh, thinking that Everest was something that I was leaving behind, uh, letting go of that and just feeling like it's always going to be part of me, you know? Uh, forever I'm going to be that me that climbed Everest and it's going to, you know, all that time that you spend on things and, you know, that time you spend on things, whatever it is, it's always going to be integrated in you, you know? Uh, And that's also a thing with the brain. You like, you know, it loves to cling on to something, to a lot of things. Um, It wants to stay there. But what we usually need to recognize is, you know, you don't have to stay there for that thing to be a part of you. You know, it's, it's already a part of you. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, um, it was a process. Uh, it was, but now it just feels, you know, it, it still comes, comes and goes a little bit. Sometimes it's, um, you know, but I, I have so many dreams, other dreams as well. Right. Uh, and, uh, well, and that's what I, kept thinking too is you know the fact that you have six other continents or you know 17 other massive summits that that are on your list to climb so you know having another goal to look forward to or maybe not even a goal to look forward to but you know like you said earlier it's it's this thing that well I've I've got to start doing it right so uh, like Stephen Pressfield I'm not sure if you've read him but he's he's an incredible author he writes a lot about um the process of, of creating things and doing things and overcoming resistance. And he kind of calls it the dead dead zone where you basically just put your back up against the wall and you throw yourself right back into another project. So for you, it could be, you know, I mean, you just went to Russia and climbed another one and it's been what, like two months. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, And I think it's, it's, you know, if you, if you don't develop, um, you know, you're going to be bored and you're not going to feel that you're doing anything, you know, meaningful or worth doing. I think everybody has to have that sense of, of uh, progression. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever you've done in the past, you know, starting your business or climbing Everest or, you know, running your first marathon, you always have to believe that, you know, the best version of you is still ahead. You know, you can always be better. And um, for me, Everest was and became really more about who I needed to become uh, rather than something that I had to do. You always need to like, you know, even like goal setting, what we talked about setting everyday goals or getting up and staying motivated in the, in the morning. You have to remind my, yourself, you know, um, who do I want to be instead of what do you need to get done today? You know, who do you want to be and what do you see that person doing? Um, and, you know, for me coming home after Everest, I still want to, you know, I want to learn how to, uh, to be a wingsuit pilot and jump off of mountains and fly down. And so I just trained, like started training a few weeks ago, become a skydiver. I've done four solo jumps now. It's scary really scary, but so much fun. And, uh, you just have to, to, to realize that whatever you've done in the past, you know, be, be, be grateful for that. But, you know, you can always, there's always more to you than what you know or think, you know. 
Maria, this is awesome. Uh, this has been a great show already. So we're going to run out of time here, but I want to get two more questions for you. One, where can our listeners find more of you? Uh, well, you can go to my website, uh, se, And from there, you can find me in my social media, Instagram, Facebook, things like that. And, uh, you know, follow up on whatever crazy things I'm doing or, you know, if you want to uh, hear a talk or whatever. So you can follow me there. Okay, great. So we'll put the links to all that on uh the blog post for this podcast. So if you guys listening, go to naturalstacks.com. You'll be able to see the video version of this as well as um, the links to uh, some of the books that we've talked about, some of the practices, um, as well as Maria's website, her social media accounts. Um, I'm also going to try to get some more pictures from you, Maria. Is that something that uh, you've got to have a picture from the top? absolutely okay so for you guys uh we'll definitely have the picture we've already posted the picture of of you maria with siltap but maybe if we can get a couple others um so our listeners can see what you saw at the top that would be really cool um and so final question your top three tips to live optimal Mm. so if you have to boil everything down into just three pieces of advice Mm. Um, well, I think number one would be to stay curious. Um, cause there's so many things in curiosity, you know, be curious about other people, be curious about yourself, uh, be curious of, you know, trying new things. Uh, you know, that's what I love about kids. They're always so curious and, um, that's a very good quality to have. So Number one, stay curious. Um, uh, number two, um, you know, set a goal and, um, you know, write down why. Why is that meaningful to you? Because uh, we all need direction in life um, and to feel that sense of completion as well and to be better versions of ourselves. So, set a goal and write down why, why do you want to achieve this? And, and start out, you know, with setting a goal that, you know, you know, allow yourself to, to have 12 months, you know, a year to achieve that goal. It's going to be realistic, but something that will push you outside your comfort zone, something that you, you shouldn't be able to do at this moment. Mm -hmm. You have to grow in some way, you know, you have to go grow spiritually, emotionally, or physically, or you know, uh, extend your knowledge uh, to to reach that. Um, and third, um, hmm, it's always tricky to boil down things <laughs> these small, but it's good to do that sometimes. Well, you're doing a great job, and I'll, I'll buy you some extra time um, <laughs> so you can think while I say this. Uh, you mentioned this is twice now you've talked about writing things down. And, and I meant to say this earlier and I forgot. Um, people who write their goals down as opposed to just uh, having them in their head reach those goals more so than people who do, do not write them down. So if you guys listening take anything to heart uh, or, or implement anything from this episode, if you don't already write your goals down, start writing them down. Uh, you can even take it a step further and keep them with you at all times. Maybe you just fold it up, put it in your wallet, whatever it is. Um, but there, there is evidence that writing your goals down actually helps you uh, achieve them. So, all right. Did we buy enough time for tip number three? Maybe, yeah. Um, and third, I would say, because I think it's so important and it gives you so much energy and love and I think you need that this third thing as well to 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 be better and to to keep uh, striving. And that thing is to find a way to give back. Um, because I, I some people that I coach sometimes I always tell them like to you know be interested enough in yourself and your life to find something that you're passionate about like invest in it, be better at it so that you can give back, you know, because who wants to give back of something that they don't 
love or think it's, it's, it's worthwhile doing or think it's fun or, you know, so, uh, find something that you love and, and give back of that. Cause that's when you give back the most and the best. And, uh, you know, it's everything from, uh, you know, people experiencing it. And also, you know, a lot of scientific studies done about it that, you know, it's, it's good to reach a goal and, and all that. But when you give back, that's, uh, that's kind of the only, um, the only moment where we actually feel that sense of fulfillment, you know? Uh, so I would say find a way to give back of something that you love. Well, Maria, this has been an amazing episode. Thank you for sharing some time with us. Thank you for, for going where you went. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, a lot of these were, were emotional answers for you. So, so we appreciate you going there and, and sharing it with us. Uh, for you guys listening, uh, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. Go check out Maria's website. Follow her on social media because I'm sure she has quite a few epic adventures to, to come. Uh, Maria, if you come to the U.S., please look us up. We'd love to hang out with you and, and go on some of these adventures. Uh, Absolutely. And, and I'm sure we'll come visit Matthias and Pontus and Jonas in Sweden, and, and we'll have to go. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you can take us skydiving or wingsuit oh. wing flying or some craziness. <laughs> uh, team building for natural stacks. So yeah. uh, we wish you the best, uh, continued success. And, uh, and and continue to inspire people um, as you have. You have a, a way of sharing all the stuff that's in your head that, that I think is very inspirational. So thanks again for sharing that with us. For you guys listening, uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, make sure you go to naturalstacks.com, see the video version of this, uh, links and resources. Uh, go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Let us know how much you like the show. Um, and thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next Thursday.